Welcome to another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Veteran jazz artist and bass player Christian de Masones has been performing for four decades and has worked with some of the biggest names in smooth jazz, including Dave Coz and Bob James. Christian's love of the bass came after he saw a concert by Kiss and watched Gene Simmons. A former rocker, he recently released a solo album called They Call Me Big New York, a collection of funk, soul, and R&B to rave reviews, more than two million streams on Spotify, and a number of top ten singles. One of the songs, Hispanica, reached number one on Billboard's Smooth Jazz Chart. Christian talks to our host, Stefan Zakowski about his music, the issues facing today's artists, and why he does not conform to the template used by many other smooth jazz artists. Now, here's Stefan. I have with me today a heavy metal rock and roller turned jazz bassist, composer, and band leader, the very talented and authentic Christian de Mesones. Welcome. Thank you so much. I love that intro, man. I feel very, very loved. Uh, I, I'm enjoying that. Thank you for pronouncing my last name correctly also. That helps. Well, we, we, I, I listened to you, and I listened to an announcer on one of your videos, and I thought I'd clear it with you. So when we had our conversation earlier, I made sure that I was saying it the right way because my last name, nobody gets right uh, on the first crack. And so I appreciate it when somebody does. So hey, Thank you. It's, a, it's right. me being honest and authentic with you because, you know, people like to be their name, not some other imagined thing that somebody looks at the letters and slaps it together and says something weird. And you're looking at them thinking, that's not me. <laughs> that's well, not we me. both have that in common because you're known as Dr. Zach for people who can't pronounce your last name. That's right. And I'm known as Big New York for people that can't, can't pronounce my last name. So we've got that in common. <laughs> Well, I think you're you're known as Big New York because if people watch your videos, they see your head and shoulders above a lot of the band members that you have. So you are a little bit taller than than most of the people that you play with. So I and, think that's and, and and that's me sitting down on a stool. <laughs> Could you imagine if I stand up? <laughs> well, I was I was actually watching a video and you bent forward while you were playing the guitar and you were still taller than the uh the saxophonist who was standing next to you and you were bent forward so it's sort of like how tall are you uh, yeah i'm a, i'm uh i guess you know what man there's a, a lot of uh nestle's quick and uh <laughs> skippy peanut butter man in my formative years that made me humongous yes makes you grow makes you grow big and tall and strong. absolutely <laughs> so First question right off the top, because it's off the top. Um, you said to me that your hat is your home. Now, I know I think you were saying something slightly different, but you have hats. You have a collection of hats. I've watched a number of your videos, and you have more than one. The one you're wearing now, I think I've seen you in one video with it, possibly, unless it was one that was similar to that. But you have a number of hats. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you get older and you start losing your hair. You know, you've got a, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm just not, well, you've got a good head of hair there, but I'm not I'm about to join the hair club for men, man. I'm not going to, you know, weave a, weave a rat's 
<laughs> a rat's uh, thing on top of my head, man. So, but uh, yeah, this definitely helps, man, with the whole image and branding of a smooth jazz cat. I guess you know. Um, well, you definitely got the image. You or I could be the, the I could be the Undertaker, man. I could do the WWF thing too. You know, <laughs> I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I mean, the Undertaker doesn't play uh, bass guitar, so. I think you never know. You never know. Jason Momoa, <laughs> you know, Jason Momoa, who plays Aquaman is a bassist. So you never know. Really? Yes. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Yes. How did, how did, where did you find that out? Um, on Facebook. And as a matter of fact, somebody, I don't know who it was. A, a couple of, of, uh, Luthier bass designers have actually given him their bases. Oh, because really? They're such fans <sighs> of him. Now, speaking of basses, you designed your own double neck bass that I have seen you sitting with in a couple of your um, production shots. Um, tell us about that. Tell us about the uh, the bass that you designed, why you designed it that way, and how it sounds. You played it. Um, I've played it about maybe three times live in my career. I actually designed that bass when I was only 18. I was living in Hollywood california and so a friend of mine introduced me to this luthier who um who's a really cool guy his name is gary dunifer he lives on the west coast and um uh i told him about this idea that i had and i and i drew it out and he said that he could do it so it took a number of years to build and uh luckily i was able to pay him on an installment thing you know so you know I, it, it took about two two and a half, three years. But when I, when I finally got it, I actually met him in Brooklyn. He actually took it with him on the plane. He had family in Brooklyn and I met him in Brooklyn and I, I opened up the crate and I looked at this thing and I'm like, this is humongous. This is like, this is look, this looks like Conan the Barbarian or something, man. <laughs> like, you know, this is, you know, um, but that's where my head was at when I was 18. I really wanted to, um, you know, be like this uh, heavy metal bass god kind of thing, you know. And um, I didn't realize back then, you know, I didn't think about weight. I didn't think about ergonomics. I didn't think about the length of the necks. I didn't think about how it positioned. None of that. And uh, so it was a kind of a uncomfortable bass. And it sat around. Basically, it was wall art for... Um, Oh my God, a bunch of decades, man, until something came above. I don't know what happened, but something just came over me and I said, you know what? I've got this new album I'm working on. It's my second album. Um, I've got a double neck bass, you know, uh, let me, let me fix this bass up and see what I can do with it. Right. So, um, I got it. I got it fixed. I brought it to a, a guitar repair, man. Cause basically it was falling apart. And it, every, everything got put back together and everything got cleaned up and restrung. And uh, I said, you know what? If I'm going to advertise myself with this bass on my hand and have people come to the show and they look at this backdrop of me holding this bass, if I don't play it, I'm a chump, you know? <laughs> so so I put it on the stage. The bass weighs about 30-something pounds. It's really wow. heavy, right? Wow. And I, I put it on the stage. And I was going to try to get away with doing the whole set without playing it. Like, you know what I mean? And then somebody goes, what are you doing with that bass? Somebody in the audience was like, <laughs> and, I, and I just stopped and I said, 
do you want me to play that bass? And they were like, you only live twice. You only live twice. So, <laughs> I, so I picked up the bass and weighed so much. I had to sit down and play it. But there is a video of me playing that bass. Yes, yeah. out there. Yes. Yeah. And does it play well? Like, it sounds really good. I mean, it's your design. So how does it sound? Um, I really couldn't tell. You know, the, the thing about live performance, especially when you're under time, is you really want to have a sound check with all your instruments. But I only really had a sound check with one of my instruments. Oh. And because of that, I couldn't really, like, I, I heard it and it didn't sound bad, but it, the, the top neck is a seven string. Right. So the, the thing that I have to get used to is if I'm going to play the top strings, the gauge are so much lighter. They're like in a guitar register, right? So right. I definitely need to put a, a pedal on that or some kind of bass boost or sustainer that it'll match the lower bottom strings. Right, because right. The, the lower part, the, the bottom strings, the, the, the B string and the E string sound wonderful. The B, E, and A are deep and warm. But when I'm getting up to that high C and F, F sharp, I'm like, you know, I mean, hey. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I mean, F, you know, I'm like, what? What's going on? Yeah, so, yeah. player now. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I learned something from it, and uh, I will most likely, I probably will have to bring it as much as I can. You know, um, it's sitting in my living room right now, and I just stare at I stare at it like, when am I going to pick it up again? Because last time I picked it up, I, I mean, I had to go see a chiropractor like a week ago. <laughs> well, like you say, you got to play it sitting down. You got to, if anybody asks, or if you bring it out, you say, "All right, I'm going to play it," but I don't, I'm playing it sitting down. And I'm wondering if you want a stencil. You only live twice across the front, so that people see that and get I the know. connection between the two, right? That would be funny. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm New neck twice the life, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks good. I mean, it's very impressive looking bass. It, it certainly is. does. It doesn't look smooth jazz, though, does it? <laughs> it does not. Well, it's a it's a fusion of you from your past and you now, right? I mean, right. because you have a past, and I'm sure people are aware of your past, they're going to know you're bringing some of that with you. And yes. you can, I mean, you hear the authenticity of your music when you play, and you can hear there's a little bit more to you than just playing the basic bass beat of a jazz music, of jazz music, of anything, even the stuff that you compose sounds more lively it sounds more engaging it sounds more like i'm going to say something that i'm going to get hate mail from jazz people rock and roll has this deep core heartbeat in it and heavy metal is like the base of that it's the growl of of rock and roll and you put that kind of feeling into your music into the jazz so it's it's easy jazz it's easy to listen to but you can feel it you can feel it underneath and that's, I think, what your bass is doing. That's what, I mean, that bass and the other ones that you play, that's that that feeling underneath it, right? That's the biggest compliment anybody could really give me because, you know, um, I, per I actually prefer to really be the glue of the band, to be the traditional bassist, you know? Yep. And when I write my, I write my music, I write the melodies on my six-string bass and I write the chords on my six-string bass and I, I pretty much write the whole composition on my bass, and then I have to make the decision, who am I giving these melodies to? Because, you know, if I'm really, really greedy or, or if I, I really want the adulation of being a, a bass god, I would be playing these melodies on lead, but I'm, I'm just, it, it's not my favorite thing to do. And I do know that 
you should get out of your comfort zone. And I do play a couple of songs that feature lead bass, but my thing is really the composition. The song is the most important thing. Without a good song, people just won't remember you. I mean, think about all the great bass players. There's so many great bass players out there. um, And you really, like for me, when I think of of the greatest jazz bass players, you know, I'm thinking like, you know, of course, for me, my generation is definitely Jocko Pistorius and Stanley Clark. Those are the guys to me. Um, and when you think, all right, name me a Jocko song. Well, I have a couple of favorites that are pretty popular, but not everybody will say, oh, yeah, Jocko's famous for that. Or or Stanley Clark is fa- Well, Stanley Clark is famous for school days. That's what everybody thinks of school days. Yeah. How many more songs? Can you name me a Victor Wooten song? I, I mean, I can't right off the bat. Now that's not saying anything against them. You know, these guys are great technicians that, you know, they've got chops and they know how to improvise. And that's the difference between me and other jazz artists. They're great players. They know how to improvise where well, I'm like, I'm constructing, man. I'm not thinking. I'm not thinking. I could scat great, but if I was to pick up my bass and try to play what I just hummed, it would take me an hour. I would have to go. I'd have to go like with the metronome man. and see if I can even see if I'm singing the notes right. You know, so it's it's a different world. It's a different different world. Well, I mean. <clears throat> Sorry, so there are, like you say, there are um, jazz musicians, bassists, guitarists, piano players, drummers, that what their life is about is that improvisation, right? Improvis- improvisational, I've got to get that word out of my mouth, uh, music where it's the sound that flows. And that, to me, that's not easy jazz. That's that improvisational jazz that is kind of like this fl- free flow, a group of people sitting at a table and having a weird conversation about a whole bunch of different things. That's that kind of thing. The right. kind of music that you make has, and I mean, you say it's a constructive feel. To me, it's a control. It's, it's you're the heartbeat. So the bass is the heartbeat of the music. And you starting with the heartbeat, it's like you're creating the living organism of a jazz song through a heartbeat. So your heart beats, and then this is what happens. And you can have a voice in it or no voice, and it's simply a melody. It's, it's percussion. It's, and that's how you build it. You build it from the heartbeat that's the base and like you say you start at the base and you move forward um so for me that control kind of music it doesn't it's not i won't say 100 times better or uh, even worse than any other style of jazz that's out there for me it's the quality of the music and the authenticity of the music and in your case it's not constructed stilted it is constructed in this form like i say of a living organism it starts with a heartbeat and then it flows and it makes sense and you listen to it and it does not sound like you know you've written down you have to play this note and you have to play it this way and you have it starts with a heartbeat but i you know i've watched variations of your videos of certain songs and the the trumpet players or the saxophonist or the drummer will hit a beat it's the same beat but you can hear a slightly different rhythm to it so it's the conversation is the same conversation but different words are being used for the conversation and yeah. it still all flows and connects together because it's got its heartbeat, which is you, which is how you constructed it. Well, uh, I have to say well, you are good at improvisation because I believe there was a solo scat session that you were involved in. Oh, <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I told you that. Didn't I tell you that story once? Yes, but yeah, the audience yeah. hasn't heard it, so you have to come um, back with that. I'll, uh, yeah, if you want me to bring that up, I, I remember seeing, uh, I'm not going to mention no names, I don't want to roll anybody under the bus, but a famous popular bass player who was playing with a very, very, very popular, he was backing up a very popular smooth jazz, contemporary jazz keyboard player. Um, I, I, you know, he was performing on stage, I was in the front row, and um, and of course, he got a spotlight, he got a solo, so he, he walks out to the edge of the of the stage, and he's He's playing and he sounds great, but he pulls his cord out and he doesn't know what to do. And I was so embarrassed. I was really embarrassed for him. And I'm not going to lie. I, I'm guilty. I chuckled a little bit, like, you know, like, a, you know, that's not cool, but I did. I chuckled. And the same thing happened to me later in, in, in one of my gigs. And I'll never forget it because I, I told myself if that ever happens to keep the show going, even if your, your sound is off. So what I did, I lost the sound and I looked and I see I pulled out my cord. And so I went up to the mic and I started scatting. <laughs> and I started going to the audience and go, ba-da-ba-da, your turn. Ba-da-ba-da, you know, ba-da-ba-da, you know, and then like, ba-da-ba-da, you know. And I just started scatting without the bass and hope, hoping that someone would see me and bring the cord to me. And lucky, lucky for me, somebody brought the cord for me instead of me having to leave the mic and, and look, go on the ground on my knees or whatever, you know? So that turned out good, but that was a very good learning experience. I yes. would say, I, and I would say it's a bit of fate giving, getting you back as the little chuckle you gave to this, this very famous performer. It's sort of like the, the machine of the world turned around and went, Oh yeah, let's see how you handle it. And it sounds right. like you handled it really well. I got lucky. I got lucky. Yeah, that was lucky. Yeah. So you've said to me that music and life are intertwined. I, I know this is a deep, deep question to ask, but, you know, I want to get into into you and into how music is a part of you. And and you said that music and life are intertwined. And I would love to understand your your take on how music is a part of you. I know when you were younger, it was uh, heavy metal and rock. And now it's jazz. Talk, talk me through this evolution and how it's evolved in you. Uh, well, if I was to go back and share this with your listeners. So, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn in the 60s and my mother uh, was an immigrant from Bulgaria. And um, my dad was uh, from South America, from Peru. And so I grew up in a, in a household uh, both of them were music lovers. My my mother was more of a music lover. So, um, and she was a big movie fan. So I, I was around, surrounded by records. She'd play uh, Funny Girl and and Mame and 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 Oklahoma, you know, uh, Broadway play soundtracks. And right. and my sister was into ballet, and she played Stravinsky's Firebird and. And my brother was progressive rock, and he played Emerson Lake and Palmer, you know, and Genesis. And I'm the youngest, and I'm the baby, and I'm around all of this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm also getting international love. Uh, uh, Ima Sumac and, and the, the great uh, Raphael, Latin singer, you know. Um, and uh, all of these great things are in my household. But, you know, music was so important to me. I remember like even walking to the corner store being 
maybe five years old and buying uh, my first single, which was Land of a Thousand Dances. I never forgot. So I bought one of my first songs was a 45 single that people probably my age know what a 45 is. But if you are younger, uh, you probably don't know what a 45 single is. But, you know, and they weren't that expensive. I believe they were like a dollar, I think, if I remember correctly. I think they were a little more than a, a slice of pizza back then, back in. <laughs> In the 60s, a slice of pizza was like 25 cents. So, yeah. you know, this was a little bit more than that. But, um, you know, so music is, is embedded in me. And I remember, like, watching these movies with my mom and the soundtracks would really affect me. I would, like, I remember watching King of Kings, this biblical movie about Jesus Christ. And I remember the the strong um you know, music behind that, that really powerful music. And then, of course, I was a James Bond fan, so I loved, you know, John Barry's scores on all of those songs. You know, I loved Thunderball and, of course, You Only Live Twice, which is my nod to uh, <laughs> to him, you know, and, you know, my love of 007, Sean Connery, of course. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and, and um, so music and life growing up and, and experience life, were you know and living are all inter intertwined and connected and i'll share something i don't think i've shared with too many people but i remember when i first went to high school the first year now i went to an elementary school in brooklyn and my first year of high school was in new york city i went to an art school you know and i remember like the first week of that high school i got into a fight and I remember how depressed I was because I got into this fight, you know, kind of a gang thing happening. And it bothered me so much. And I was walking to the train station and I looked at this record store and in the window was Kiss Alive. It just was released. And I knew who Kiss were, but I bought that record and I remember going home and sitting in my my you know bedroom and putting the record on the turntable and rocking back and forth with my eyes closed and having like just it took me away it literally took me away from all of my problems all of my issues so yeah music and life are together man so that's it you know i could talk more but i'm going to cut it short <laughs> no I, actually i'm i'm finding it quite interesting because we didn't get into the depths of of this uh conversation previously when we were talking um and i really appreciate the honesty that comes from individuals like yourself when they talk about how music has inspired them how it's been a part of their life it's been it's been their life um and in your case it's not only been your activities within music but how how music has actually held you together it's been that soothing peace in your life when you needed something or someone to sort of be there and say okay it's all right everything's okay just listen just be a part of this lose yourself in the sound and and forget about all the all the ridiculousness that's gone on in the day or in the week or whatever um i'm the same way as you i find that whenever i've got something going on and my head is churning on something if I drift off into music, if I have music playing, um, I used to have a Walkman. If people are listening, they know what that, <laughs> know what that is. I used to plug in and go for a walk and I'd hear nothing. All I'd have is music just pounding through my head and I'd get lost in it. Like I'd walk closing my eyes. I'd, I'd find myself someplace and I, how did I get here? Because the music was what was just making you go, just go, just keep going until you 
you know, you're, you're, you're better. And it sounds like you're very much the same way that, that music gets you out of the places that you don't want to be in, in your head and let you escape, let you get out of that. And I hope that, um, the listener, whether they, they listen to my music or anybody else's music, um, that they, they get that, you know, when they're listening, that it's, it's supposed to take them away from their, you know, their daily routine that, you know, whatever they're going through, it's really supposed to be an outlet for that. And, um, it is a gift, man. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's a, it's a gift that keeps on just giving it's and, and it's, it's funny, but you know, lots of us, I mean, people tell me, uh, you know, I just discovered you like recently or whatever, I guess I've been doing this now for, I mean, professionally, I've got, I returned to music. I actually took a break from music, but you know, when I returned to music and I, and I went on my own, which is 2015, everything started to click because all of a sudden now I'm, I wasn't spending all my energy in bands. Right. So I started, I just started recording. I said to myself, you know what? I don't care. I don't care about anything but putting out music, at least a new song every year if I can't get an album done because albums are expensive and they take a lot of time. And if you want musician, live musicians, you know, it, it's it's costly. I mean, I, I, I really don't believe people understand how much it costs to release an album. Um, even if your brother-in-law, like in my position, my brother-in-law is my producer. So I get, I get a pretty good deal. I get a really good rate, but (laughs) I mean, you know, it's just very costly, very expensive. And, um, so I've been doing that and, uh, I was just looking over my stats and I guess, so, so since 2015 to 2023, I've released one album and uh, 10 singles, and out of the 10 singles, I believe five of them have been top 20, with one of them being um, number one, which is the Hispanica, the the one featuring the legendary Bob James. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I read some some stats as well. Your breakout year, they said, was 2021, when you yeah. had, I think, four or five, I think it was four of your... Of your um, songs were on the charts in mm. either in the top three or the top 10 and uh in his vision hispanica a sexy beast uh sweet i think it's sweet night sweet night yeah um uh, but throb um big tall wish spirit mm. uh the latin jive redux mm-hmm. uh good old days and I'm trying to think of what else. Good Old Days was in Big New York, your album Big New York, right? No, Good Old Yeah, Good Old Days is off that album. Um, it was my first single, and it actually was released under Christian Big New York Damasonis. So when you look when you look at Spotify, it doesn't come up. It's it, you know, it's it's like separated, you know. But um all those songs have done well. Um especially like big tall wish went to number six on radio Wish. so not to bore the audience but you know all of all of us artists we're all looking at charts right and there's a lot of charts i mean everybody says oh they know billboard they don't understand now billboard and media base are the same thing you know you've got radio wave you've got individual stations that have their own top 20 or their own top 30 um you know you so you've got all these different charts out there so 
Uh, most of my songs have done top 10, top 20, or even top 30, most of them, which I'm, ha I'm happy about that. Yeah. The number one, of course, people care about number one, right? It's like they don't care about number two. They don't care about six. <laughs> they care about number one. So at least I can say I did number one yeah. and uh, not number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do number two on the show that's all i can say not, oh, i gotta excuse me guys i gotta give i'll go i'll be back in 10 minutes <laughs> <laughs> well, don't do number one either i mean we're getting there so <laughs> uh, i got my trusty water bottle with me i'll be all right <laughs> hey, hey, hey. so the thing is with with your songs and i've listened to all of these i've listened to all of them and i know hispanica was your number one but every single one of them deserves to be up there and if people listen to your music, if they only hear Hispanica, they're missing out because all of your music is worth listening to. And chart or no chart, it's worth listening to. Your Year of the Dragon. Um, I'm sorry. I love the sounds that come from that. And I don't understand why more of your music isn't higher up on charts. Charts, I guess, are, you know, it's like the the TV families that sit there and they click a little thing and they say, this is good. And this, you know, the, the Nielsen rating families, right? Where the, these people, right. well, if they're the ones making the decisions, maybe they need to get better taste because as far as I'm concerned, people need to hear it. Don't look at charts, listen to the music. I've given a list of names on on this. If you go through it and replay it and replay it, you'll get all of the different uh, songs that I've listed. Listen to them all because you will hear good music and you need to hear more good music. So I'm glad that we're playing your your own You Only Live Twice because that one's not on that list. It should be because it, it probably will get there. I know it's something new. I know it's a, it's off of your album, You Only Live Twice. Right. Um, which which is, is hasn't been released yet. Um, the goal is to release it by September 15th. Uh, I do know I'm going to be releasing another single September 22nd, regardless whether I do a radio promotion on it or not. Um, that's a tribute to my dad. It'll be his 10-year anniversary of his passing. He passed away on September 23rd. And so 22nd is the day that I'm going to celebrate it. Is that a popular day for you, September 22nd? Yeah, it is, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, okay. I, th I thought it might be. Right. But anyway, that's definitely coming out, so, yeah. you know. Well, that's definitely, definitely happening. When it comes out, um, um, you know, I'll talk with our producer, and maybe we'll get that song out as well on, on our station, um, because it's it's probably going to be as good, if not better, than the list of, of songs that I've already given out. Um I uh, like your sound. Wow. I really that, like your sound. That's very, very, very heartwarming and encouraging because all of us, all of us artists who are in this boat, we, we do really have to do a lot of work. And it's not just the creating of the music. It's the social media part of it is is exhausting. It, it's really like I really admire the ones who are really doing it well. The ones who, you know, got a hundred thousand followers and you know and uh, you know, people, are, they're like playing every single festival every week. I'm like, man, these guys are really got a strong work ethic. You know, I'm looking at them like, ah, ah well, you know, most of them are 20 years younger than me, too. But, you no. know, but, no. you know, um, they don't re they don't know what it's going to be like when they're in their 60s yet. You know, and then I and then, you know, if I compare, if I fall, play the comparison game, I look at Bob James, who's, you know, in his 80s yeah. and he's still gigging and he's traveling internationally. And I'm like. Wow. 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 Just wow. Wow. <laughs> aspirations. You pointed that. Yeah. You know, that's, I'm going to be doing that in my 80s. I'm going to be playing wow. music and I'm going to be happy. Wow. 
Yeah, well, I'm pushing. All I can tell you is I'm pushing. I just, I think it's funny, you know, your listeners, especially those who are going to see this on television. They're looking, they're looking at in me in my in my apartment, and I'm dressed up in this nice Robert Graham shirt that I, it's first time I'm wearing, and I got this nice, beautiful big hat here that you know, and these dark gazelle glasses with the snakeskin rims and you know and then the minute you know the minute this camera goes off man and i'm gonna take all everything off it's like it's almost like i'm gene simmons of kiss i gotta put my makeup on <laughs> and you know it's really funny <laughs> emulate your icons that's what you gotta yeah. do christian emulate your icons. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny man <laughs> just don't go on stage with the uh the dragon boots that's all i can say don't go on stage i know with the oh i'm tempted I am very tempted. I, I mean, really, I really now hold up. Now that you mentioned that I'm going to get you now, all you people who have, uh, who are watching this on TV, you can see this. I'm going to show this to you. This is my Gene Simmons ax base right here. I didn't <laughs> own. I have to take this off. This is the protective covering, but yes, this is, uh, my Gene Simmons ax base, right? So guys, I guess you guys can see it on television. And, um, I don't, you know, I usually don't play it. Um, but you know, you know, but Hey, you know, now I'm Jason Momoa. I feel like Jason <laughs> Momoa right now. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a little treat for the, the, uh, the, uh, viewers out there. <laughs> I was going to ask you about your Gene Simmons axe. I was going to ask you about the axe. <laughs> And you brought it out, so that's phenomenal. I figured if we mentioned Gene Simmons, the axe would come out. So, <laughs> well, um, yeah, I've got all my bases close to me, so uh, yeah, so I could show them off if I really wanted to. It was a lot of work. <laughs> are you going to pull that one out on stage anytime? Just to get uh, that difference of flavor, right? You know what? Um, I, I'm talking to two guys. We want to do a uh, uh, a song. We want to do a Kiss cover in a of smooth funk jazz version, you know. Sure. And, and uh, but we need to, first of all, we have to get the permission from Kiss, which they're probably not going to give us the permission, you know. Um, of course, I thought to myself, you know, Doctor calling Doctor Love, it, it could be changed to they call me Big New York. So we could do, we could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, of course, Gene Simmons would want royalty, you know. Even if even if the music is different, all we gotta do is they call me Big New York, and uh, you know he's gonna call me up. Yeah. Hey, but that's a great way to get his attention. Exactly. Right? I wanted but, to get um, your attention, Gene. <laughs> yeah, you know. But knowing him, he definitely wouldn't stop until he made some money off of me. But um, you know, I I don't know if I'm gonna play that. I mean, you know, it's a, it, it depends on the circumstance, of course, you know. It really does. It depends on the circumstance. But I think it would knows? add flavor. I think I think it would add flavor. You could you could even write your own song and just say, "Ask me something," and that's the song, right? And you got your axe that you're playing while you're. That's the question, right? The question: Ask me something. That would be that's a good idea, man. Yeah, yeah. Look, look <laughs> at you, man. Already writing my songs for me, man. Just the you're words. Funny. You got to do the bass. You got to do yeah, yeah. Start from the bass, man. You're funny, man. <laughs> you're funny. So. The one last thing before we get to to your song, what I want to know is we talked about the moment. And for you, that's getting out there and getting on stage, being a part of the music, right? Mm -hmm. That's the moment. So from the first steps, you know, you pick up, you hear the audience, you pick up the guitar and you walk out on stage. 
I want you to talk me through your nerves, if you have any, uh, the adrenaline rush, if you get one, and where you are in your headspace in the moment. So, you know, the um, behind the scenes, I'm pretty much like the puppet master. I'm pulling a lot of what's going on, right? I mean, right. of course, I, I, I have help, but I'm doing most of the work. You know, I'm making sure that the, the lighting guys got the lights I want. I'm making sure that the video guy is putting the videos on behind me that I want. And this is when I'm doing shows on the level that I want, right? I don't always get that. You know, sometimes I get a venue that doesn't even have a big stage. I got to have my percussion player on the floor or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but let's just say in a perfect scenario, um, I'm at a play, a venue that's got everything going on. The minute they call my name, everything is erased from my head as far as um, all of those particulars. You know, um, I'm already on a high, especially if I have an audience that's, you know, calling out my name or, uh, you know, applauding me, you know, even before I get on, play one note, because, you know, you never know what happens if I, if I come out drunk, even though I don't drink, but <laughs> you know, what happens if I come out on drunk, I'm playing out of tune or whatever, you know, but I'm getting all of this adulation. I'm already on a high. I already feel great about what's happening. I don't get butterflies anymore. Um, but you know, I do have the, uh, unfortunate, I have the, the issues of dealing with certain things outside my control. Of course, I might have some, uh, pain issues. I might have some back problems. I might have some knee problems, neck problems, shoulder problems. You know, the older we get, man, I mean, you know, these are the things and you don't want them to take away from that moment. Yeah. So hopefully well, that's pretty much what I pray on before I go now, you know, it's crazy. Right. But. You know, um, that those are the only things that like try to like get me, even if uh, my sound is off or something's not right. You know what? I'm going to do the best I can do. The audience came to see me. I'm going to give them my heart and soul no matter what. Um, so I don't freak out anymore on those particulars. But believe me, in the beginning, oh, my God, I was such a control freak and the people didn't do their homework. And it's even still today, you know, like if I watch a video and I'm like, that horn play didn't hit the one or, you know, this drummer didn't come in on top. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. you know, but I'm the only one who really knows that. I mean, other musicians might pick up on it, but the listening audience don't always pick up on that, you know, yeah. and I have to remind myself that, you know, Hey, this is the way it is, especially in this, in this business, because every person that goes out to see a jazz show, especially if they're single artists, not a band, yeah. They're playing with musicians that are in the area, that live in the area because they, you know, they can't afford to bring their band. They're not getting, they don't have uh, label support. So nobody's paying for their tour bus or their gas or their lodging, you know. Um, so they play in a new town. You know, they, they're lucky if they get their plane ticket in their hotel. And, and, and they're lucky if they get a rehearsal. I'm, I can tell you there's lots of artists that don't even get a rehearsal. Yeah. And now my music demands a rehearsal it just demands even with charts written you know meticulously it still demands a rehearsal i've got too many layers going on exactly. so that's what comes you know that's pretty much it man but let me tell you i'm I, I love the feeling of being on stage i love the adulation i love communicating with the audience um i love you know i love it all that's really what really really gets me going so well 
It's interesting when I watch your videos, and we'll we'll just close up, wrap it with this. But when we watch, when I watch your videos, you do look like you're in the moment. That that statement that you use, that you're in the moment, it doesn't look like you're thinking about other things. It's like you are part of the music. I've seen you you play like as though, and I don't mean play the the bass. I mean it's sort of like you're playing a part in the music that's being played. You come out you'll bend forward like you're talking with somebody in the audience you'll sort of you bounce with the music you know you'll sit back and kind of relax and you're playing and it's not like you're looking at the at the at the instrument to figure out what chord you're going to be playing it's more like you're looking at the instrument and coaxing it you know i want to get you to do this i'm going to get you to do this come on let's go let's go let's go and it's like you're just having fun in the moment like it's not it doesn't look like work it doesn't look like you're worried about doing the best it's as though i know i'm doing my best i'm doing what i can i'm doing it and it's really well because the audience is responding it's like you're feeding off of the responses from the audience and when they're good when they're happy with what's going on you're happy and you see the smile change like you get this big smile and it's yeah this is good this is going really well and it's a sight to see. I'm hoping myself that I'll get to see you play. I would really love to see you play live, not watch a video. Videos are, you know, you watch TV. Seeing an artist play live, you feel it. You feel the energy from them, and you can feel the energy leaving you going into them. You see how they're responding to it. So I would love to see you play live. Well, I haven't done any research about what it would take for me to come to Canada to play. Um I know the other way around, you've got a lot of hassle. Man. Artists from Canada trying to come to the U.S. need visas. And, yeah. you know, uh, I hear the politics going on behind that. And it's a shame. It's really terrible um, that that when it comes to entertainment, that all of those legalities should be fixed. They should be worked out so that people can, you know, see people, artists from Canada to come here in America and vice yeah. versa with no issues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hope you get to see me play and I hope your listening audience really enjoy this video, enjoy, um, what I have to tell them and what they're learning about me. And, um, I have some more videos that I'll be sending easy jazz FM, by the way, I absolutely love, uh, what Corey has done with that uh, platform. Uh, I'm a big fan. The minute I found out about it, I was like, I wish this was like a, a channel like on my cable, even though, you know, I, you can get it, you can get that channel, but yeah. you know, you have to pull a little thing, a couple of things to get to it, but you know, you can download it. But I mean, um, I just love that idea. I, it's almost like MTV for jazz. You know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, I have to, we'll have to talk and have a conversation with Corey and we'll push some buttons and see if we can make it the MTV for jazz. We can't use MTV because of course then they'll sue us. Um, but we'll see what we can do. Maybe I can talk to, um, I can talk to kiss and see if they can help us, you know, get us working and make it a, a kiss version of so that he can make his money. Gene can make his money off of it. And we'll have an MTV of jazz with a different kind of label spin to it. Maybe, you know, you never know. That's funny, man. I wonder, well, if, if there's money to be made, he'll be, they'll be involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure this, it, it can go, it can go only go up i mean it's it's doing really well and i mean with your additions in it it's going to do even better i'm certain of that so i'm now going to say that right now we're going to listen to your musical stylings this is christian de Mesones with you only live twice
want to thank you for coming on the show today and talking with me. It's been an absolute pleasure, Christian. Um, I've enjoyed our conversation. I'm sure the audience has enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure they're enjoying your music and looking up all the songs that we've talked about because they need to listen to more of you. Uh, if they haven't heard from heard of you or heard from you, then they need to listen because you're worth listening to. And you may become somebody's playlist when they need, you know, that music to take them away from things. Um, I really appreciate that. That's probably one of the reasons why I am not um, accepted everywhere in the smooth, ja smooth jazz world, because um, I'm not following the template of what a lot of people believe what smooth jazz is. And yeah. I, I really don't like that template, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not into creating background music. No. That's, that's the difference. No. I, I feel like my, I don't feel like that my music is background. I mean, I understand not everybody relates to instrumental music. I do understand that. I understand how people need lyrics and vocals to, to be able to relate to it. And that's cool. But I mean, if you're going to play instrumental music, it's got to have some kind of uh, fire in it for you to say, what is that? You know, what yeah. is that? What am I listening to? What, who is that? And that's what I try to do. And I'm glad that, you know, that you feel that way. That's what I'm, I've been after, which means I'm doing something right if you feel that. This has been another edition of Easy Jazz Spotlight. Be sure to join us next time.